I really didn't think it would be possible to come to this show this week and not tell you that I was charged for my movie pass subscription because I really believed in my heart, even though I canceled it twice, <laughs> that as soon as I hit August 18th, it was going to, you know, charge me for my next uh, month of service. But it didn't happen. Hey. I'm glad to report I am no longer a movie pass subscriber. I'm not glad to report it, but I'm glad to report that after canceling two times, it did in fact cancel my subscription. It hurts though. I mean, even, even a blind squirrel. We talked about it last week. We really wanted this thing to work and it just, yeah, just not, not happening. So I, I still have my card in my wallet. But I can't sign up for nine months after. It's true. That's weird, right? Why do it they? It's kind of strange. Why do they do that? There is a caveat in there, though. They say um, if you cancel, you can't sign up again for nine months unless it's part of some kind of like paid promotion, like I guess like a yearly promotion thing. Maybe something like what you signed up for, hmm? where it's all That's paid weird. in advance. I, I don't know. Anyway, I am no longer a Movie Pass subscriber, and I have not yet signed up for another similar service. So I just haven't been going to the movies lately. Kind of bummed about that. I did have a, a special guest at work today with me. Um, my almost seven year old had to come to work with me for a few hours. This is really the first time that's happened. It's not an uncommon thing where I work for people to bring their children with them, especially during the summer, you know, um, but this is in seven years of working at this place. The first time I've really brought one of my children to the office for like an extended time frame. But we just grabbed a conference room. I booked it. Uh, the subject was very important business, all caps, to let people know I was serious. And uh, got out the iPad, got my little adapter, plugged into the 90 inch TV in the conference room, and. Um, turned on the last Jedi and he was, he was coasting, man. He was, oh, went down to the kiosk, got him a chocolate muffin, got him some chocolate milk, drank the whole chocolate milk by himself, which that never happens either. Cause he always has to split it with his dang brother, but his dang brother wasn't there. So, um, yeah. He's, he's going to be ready to put in a nine to five Monday through Friday with you. Now. I know he's going to be, he's going to want to come every day. And, um, but Watching The Last Jedi, which I didn't get to finish it, but watching that on this big screen, it almost felt like I was, you know, having a cinema-like experience. So, And with our newly renovated Associate Center on campus, there is actually a theater in the Associate Center. I have yet to go in and watch a movie, but they've got like a 4K projector and some serious speakers in there. Wow. I'm I need to go do it. Like we just need to do it one weekend. I should bring you. I mean, I can sign you up as a guest. You can come in. Sounds great to me. Former employee. And I think I no, think no one has to know that. Well, you know, it's okay. The guard the guard will need to know that. At the guard shack. I guess he doesn't have to know it's that. A little old place. But uh he he might remember you. Who knows? Who knows? It's all the same guard people. The guard people are there longer than the people that usually work. Hey. At this go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we should do that cuz it's uh I wonder if I could just like start hosting birthday parties there. Well, there you go. Weird? I don't think they intended it Your to be Your birthday again, Levi? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they did put in the brochure 
Um, you know, when you're watching a movie, just remember we're watching you. Mm. Like that's that's creepy. And remember when you're not watching a movie, we're still we're watching still watching you. But don't bunch when you're at work, when you're away from work, when you're buying something, when you think about buying something uh, and then not buying something. Brittany, we're watching you. The other day, she was talking to Kanan. He had asked something about like movies. And so she was trying to explain to him that like there are actors, which he understands that to some degree, but they were specifically talking about how, the, how children can be actors. And it was just that concept kind of blew his mind. Right. Well, then two days later she gets a Facebook ad for auditions in little rock for children. And she's just convinced that, you know, Facebook is listening to her, which is not outside the realm of possibility for a company like Facebook. But, you know, for the most part, I, I don't think she has too much to worry about on her iOS device. Although I have I have conspiracy theory friends who are like extreme. Your phones are listening to you. You should point them all, every one of them, yourself included, your wife included, to the Reply All episode where they investigate this and it's a really good episode. Well, my response to him, my crazy conspiracy theory friend whom who probably will listen to this. Um, my response is, yeah, your phone's listening to you. It's listening to hear that famous catchphrase. So it can help you and assist you in so many different ways. Nothing to be afraid of. Come inside. You don't listen to reply all right. I don't. Oh, uh, you need to listen to Reply what All. What is Reply All? Reply All is a Gimlet podcast uh, hosted by PJ Vote and Alex Bloomberg, I think. Alex, Gold, Alex Goldman, maybe? There's two Alexes involved. It's a great, it's a great show. Um, it's really good. It's, I, I think it's billed and was originally billed as being about the internet. And so they, but you can just cover basically anything with that mm. sort of premise. But they do some really <laughs> like hello interesting. <laughs> they do some really really interesting um, investigative reporting sort of stuff. Like they'll they have this they have uh, several different types of shows. Um, one of the one of the really interesting ones is called um, like extreme tech support or something like that, where someone will come to them. I think that I think the Facebook one is, is sort of in, in this vein. Someone will come to them trying to solve a problem um, or like someone knew that they had bought um, like a Bitcoin back like eight years ago um, to buy a pizza from Domino's. But they were pretty sure that they had like seven hundredths of the Bitcoin that they didn't spend because because, um, you know, they just bought like some amount and then spend another pizza, but they had this little amount left, which, which was like, you know, like a half a dollar back then. And at this point was something like $12,000. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they didn't know like how they were supposed to find that Bitcoin or if it was kept track of by anybody. So they do this whole, um, whole big story of who but they just like talk to a lot of people. They get in contact with a whole lot of people, um, who are just like, in the know and actually are helpful or point them to people who can be helpful. And so it, it, they have really interesting stories like that. But then um, they're doing a, they're doing a greatest hits right now, actually. So it's not a bad time 
to get in because they've they had this voting um while they took a summer break they had they had a voting on top episodes of all time they have like i don't know 100 or so um 150 maybe and so they had a had a vote on top ones and uh and they've been playing like the top five or six or seven or whatever do you think we'll hit 100 episodes because this is number 10 it's actually technically number 11 because we had an episode zero but you know it's number 10 in ordering this is number 10 yeah you think we got 90 more in us i i I think so yeah yeah this isn't a cgp gray hello internet situation where he's like okay i'm just gonna do 10 episodes just to try this out and now they're you know i think they just hit 100 recently no i mean (laughs) the reason he does that is because he's you know and this is very all good and well, but he's very profit focused and doesn't want his time to be wasted. But we, I don't. Yeah. Are you saying this is a waste of time, Philip? No. We made these calculations. But if we if we were in it for the money, yeah, it'd be a waste of time. I did turn on listener support through through Anchor. Okay. You know, that was, they just released this feature um, a few weeks back, and we, we had been talking about it like. Because a, f- a few weeks back we were talking about Anchor and and how they're they were going to release some tools soon and I don't know like I don't know wh- what your thoughts were but I was kind of thinking it was going to be more like a YouTube model where but I don't even know how that would work I, I guess I was thinking they would maybe insert ads if you turned it on to do so and then I, I just don't even really know how that would work but I figured it'd be like some really small percentage that you would get back but that's not what they did at all and it's not what they're doing. Their their model that they release is really more like a Patreon type model. Are you familiar with the Patreon? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's a little different from Patreon because they have just three tiers of support. Uh, Patreon, you can... Most of the creators on Patreon come up with their own tier system, but you could, you could contribute really any amount um, and, and be a part of a, a Patreon. But... So anchor they have got three three tiers. It's ninety nine cents. Um, is it it's ninety nine, four ninety nine, and nine ninety nine? I think are the tiers you can sign up for to to support podcasts or whatever. Um, really good rates though for like what the creators are getting back. I mean, the fee they take out and the percentage it's really low. So I mean, if if you were a podcast that had really um, high listenership and act and and. But it's not just the listenership because you actually have to convert the listeners to, to support. It's not it's not a YouTube like scenario where you're serving ads and then getting a percent uh, back from that. Um, but it, I just wasn't expecting them to go that way. But I think it's actually a really, I don't know. I think it's a it's a cooler way to do it because it really opens the door for anyone to potentially make just a little bit of money. I mean, if if you only had thirty listeners, but you got three of them to you know commit a dollar a month i mean you're not gonna make (laughs) you're not really gonna make anything but you're probably gonna make more than you ever would in a youtube type model like true so are are there any i mean i suppose there have to be are there any podcasts hosted on anchor that are really popular i don't know um I, i assume that there are i've i've watched some of their promotional videos that they that they've been releasing lately and, and they like show, um, you know, they purposefully show certain 
shows on there and like show the show their back end page for some of those shows. I don't know if the numbers are made up, but I mean, it does certainly seem like there are a few shows that have a, a decent audience, you know, like thousands of downloads. I don't know if, you know, what that means. And I don't know how many episodes they have, or we recently crossed 300 downloads. Um, you know, and we're 10, 10 episodes in, so do the math yourself there. But, um, but you know, that's over 10 episodes. If it was just like one episode, it would be a lot more impressive <laughs> than over hey, 10. So that's legitimately, I mean, that's legitimately about 240 more than I thought oh, we yeah, might get. No doubt. Um, yeah, people, friends and, and, you know, colleagues that know I'm doing this, uh, they ask me about it and, and they'll always ask me you know, like, you know, how many people are listening? And I'll just, t- I'll just say something like, it's about, we get about 30 downloads per episode. I mean, if, and that's literally what the, the average is, has come out to. Um, and then I always tell them it's like 25 more per episode than I ever would have expected fully knowing yeah. that I'm one of them and you're one of them. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, somebody's at least downloading it, whether that's they good. listen to it or not. That's a, it's a whole other thing, but I do get people, uh, talk to me about it from time to time. So, um, of course, you know, go back to episode zero. We're not, we're never really intended this to be some kind of money-making endeavor, but I think what Anchor's doing is really cool because even if you had like a hundred downloads per episode, you still could potentially make, you know, a decent little, little, you know, side change from, from that. I mean, you're you're never going to make a living off of that, but you know, is it, it's just how Patreon works, right? Like you don't need a ton of supporters to have a successful Patreon. You just need a group of really passionate people that like what you do and are willing to contribute to it. And you can make a pretty good, uh, you know, I know, I know lots of people I follow that, you know, worked at a, like a major outlet and then went, went on their own and did Patreon and they're making, I mean, that that's how they're living. They're living off mm-hmm. of that. And so that model intrigues me because the whole concept of you don't need a mass audience anymore. You know, like if you can find a niche and you can find a group of people that like what you do, you don't have to have a million listeners to make that work for yourself. You know, you could have a thousand that are willing to contribute, you know, a dollar a month or whatever, or $5 a month or $10 a month. You can live off of that, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you, there are people that, that can make that work. And then in conjunction with other, like, you know, if they're on YouTube or whatever, um, I don't know, man, I think it's really cool. I, I like podcasts. I mean, they've gotten so much bigger, right. Over time. Um, but I remember podcasts, when I was in college and being inter- interested in that, I mean, naturally I was interested in that cause I was working at a radio station at the time as well. Um, but just the thought now, like 12 years removed from that or 10 years removed, the thought that people can, you know, support themselves and people can, uh, you don't even need, I mean, look at us. Like we, this is not like some high tech setup we're doing here, but it, it works and we can do it. And it, I think our show sounds good. Um, you know, quality wise, I think it sounds good. So it's just so cool to me that 
people can start these things from scratch. I mean, think about people on YouTube that have gotten big that they just, you know, there now there are some huge people on YouTube that have a it's like whole companies now, but but they didn't start that way. A lot of them, you know, well, CGP Gray is a great example of that, right? That's cool to me. Like the thought that that someone can just they have an idea, they're creative, they they have a good voice, and I don't mean voice like the way their voice actually sounds like they have, uh, you know, a good creative voice and get that out there and, and can do that. Well, you don't need a lot to actually get started and, and, and do that. And if you get a good group of people that like it, if you can find that audience and, and get them to support you, then I don't know, man, it's wild times we live in. I like it. I really like it. Yeah. Now, did you listen to speaking of podcasts? Uh, I did listen to a new podcast this week that I never listened to before. I never heard of it. Um, but the Wolf Den. Nope. I don't know, man. So in Overcast, I finally did the little uh feature where you can um authenticate your Twitter and mm-hmm. then it'll pull recommendations of based on people you follow, things that they have starred in Overcast. So specific episodes, right? That they've start. Um, I never set that up. I don't have you have you ever yes. Yeah. Never had set that up. I turned it on and then I was looking through, like, and it tells you like this person starred this ep- recommends this episode. And so there was an episode th- this past week called The Wolf Den. And it's I guess the guy who hosts it is like in a big time uh podcasting network. And he was he had Marco Arment on and they were kind of frenemies a little bit talking about like uh I forgot what they called it, but the, like the, the dynamic ad insertion. Yeah. Lex Friedman. Is that who it was? It, okay. Right? I don't know. And um, so I, I didn't know it was called the wolf den, but this is the one that uh, Jason and Mike yeah. referred to yes. on their podcast upgrade. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've, I've been meaning to listen. It's good. To that episode. Good. Yeah. You should listen to it. And it's just interesting to hear, because again, this is an industry that's like has grown so much and still potentially could go to the next level in some in some ways in terms of how advertising functions and getting different level of advertisers to support. But it was really interesting to hear them talk about um, in terms of ad support for podcasting. It's like you know most of the money is only pouring into like maybe two hundred plus shows. You know, so that it's just, that's kind of wild, right? Like on one hand, I can sit here and say, it's so cool that anybody can get started and has the potential to make money. But when you really look at the way money works in podcasting, you know, really the odds aren't in your favor that, you know, you could actually make a living off of it. But, but with tools like, with tools like Anchor, I, I think the potential there is, is getting even better for people if they want to, you know, try and make a go at this in some real way. Um, yeah, you need to listen to that episode because they, they have very different viewpoints on particularly around advertising and, and, and obviously Marco has his reasons, right? He, he is a, a, a big time podcaster, but also he created a podcasting app that has a pretty good market share. And so it was interesting to see his thoughts on why he wasn't against dynamic ad insertion because of the 
the difficulties it would put on him to to be able to to do the features he wants to to do in Overcast to make those work when you don't always know how long the file is going to be because they're dynamically inserting ads at the time of download. So really, you know, nerdy thing to be interested in. But if you're interested in podcasting, for one, if you if you're listening to this episode, you're probably interested in podcasting because otherwise I don't know how you would would have found this unless you're just our friend. But uh, yeah, you should listen to that episode. It was really good. I definitely will. Um, I actually originally heard about Lex Friedman years ago. Um, cause he was a contributor and writer for Macworld for a long time. Until- I've heard his name pop up. I didn't even know that's who did the episode. I didn't even, I didn't even really pay attention to that, to that part. But, um, yeah, I've heard his name come up on a lot of different shows. So it's interesting cause he was really just kind of part of the, the covering the Mac scene at, at the time. And this was probably like 2010, 11, 12, 13, um, back when Macworld and, online publishing was was huge for them um so he was working for them and then he was on he started a a podcast about uh parenting with john moltz and another guy named john something (laughs) another john um they 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 still do this uh show called turn turn turning this car around i think it's called and um and turning this car around it's a good show i mean it's it's funny um they they make fun of themselves as parents they make fun of themselves i don't know they kind of make fun of their kids but in a in a loving way of course um but just kind of the craziness of of parenting and in real life and just how that goes um it's it's a good show and then he also he also does the rebound podcast with john moltz and dan morin um every every week he does that one but but then he is also the chief business development officer for Midroll, right? Who bought Stitcher or Stitcher bought? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think they bought Stitcher. Um, and so he's. It's interesting because he was, and he's been on Upgrade a couple times. I think with with Jason Snell and Mike Hurley. And Jason Snell obviously was editor in chief at MacWorld. I want to say. Um, and worked at Macworld for a whole long time, worked at Mac user before that. But I mean, you know, knew Lex Friedman as just, you know, fellow guy writing about the Mac and lots of people did. And then it's been kind of weird as he's become like business guy in the ad space, especially as lots of people, you know, feel, feel very strongly in different ways. But, uh, you know, I, I think that the couple of times he's been on upgrade, you know, they've had really interesting conversations and i'm sure that he and marco um and apparently this guy some guy named chris bannon is on that show with lex friedman too he probably works for midroll as well um i'm sure they had really interesting conversations about it and i don't know like i I don't know about you but i've thought about especially since we've started doing this i've thought about doing other podcasts like you know i've thought what if like me and Brittany did something you know, it wouldn't have to be weekly, right? But what if we did something on, and it was kind of like a parenting type thing, you know? You know, it's kind of the same thought process that we had with this was, it's more for us than it is for like trying to get some audience or anything like that. Um, I just thought that'd be kind of an interesting way to spend time together, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like it'd be a little weird, right? But I, I think 
it would be kind of fun to do. Um, but then I've also had the thought of, I've, I've kind of had this idea running around in my head of, you know, what if you kind of flipped it and you were trying to create a show that you know isn't going to have appeal to a large audience, but rather, you know, what if you tried to do shows that were actually more local in nature? And then could you, because of the, the nature of the audience for a local show, could you actually get ad support locally for a show like that? Mm-hmm. You know, so instead of like trying to get this big audience and get, you know, bigger adver- advertisers. What if you got a very specific local audience and then worked with local businesses to get, and, and, you know, it could be cheap ads. Like you could sell really cheap ads and just make a little, little side money for yourself. But so I've kind of been thinking about that too. And, um, because it's so easy to produce, you know, we're just sitting down, we're having a conversation. If this other show I was thinking about doing, it would be a lot of, I don't even think I would have a co-host necessarily. I think it would be more like um, I would just interview a bunch of different people uh, about different things going on. Um, but I don't know, man, it's so easy to just put, put two mics down and and start talking. No, no, that's not easy for everybody. But <laughs> um, And then the editing is, is not that intense unless you, I mean, it can get intense if you want to go in and cut out every single little, um, and awe and like, and so, and, and, but, and all that, but I'm not going to do that. That's not conversational. And you can tell when people do that. I know people think you can't, but I'm on to you. You podcast that over edit everything. I mean, if you want to spend your time like that by all means, but you're going to hear a lot of ums from, from me and Philip because a lot of likes, I don't have time. I don't have time to go and edit all those out. And that's how people talk, you know, for better or worse. That is, it's just what it is. All right, man. So there've been some, I don't know if earth shattering rumors is the right way to put it, but there've been pretty substantial rumors uh, to some products that haven't gotten a lot of love in the last few years where do you want to start do you want to start with the 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 wound in your heart first or do you want to save that for last nah, let's just get it out of the way <laughs> okay so there is a rumor uh this week about an alleged iphone se2 which first when you first saw the headline and you didn't actually read the entire headline did you get excited for a second because you were you saw se2 Yes. <laughs> but then you read the full headline in an article. Yes. So break this down for me because I really don't understand exactly what this product is appearing to be. And it's, it's, how did they, it, it was something in Xcode, right? That they found image sizes or something like that. What's going on here? Right. So this seemed, these are really, they're almost less rumors and more leaks in a way. Cause it's like, there's four models, whatever, whatever he looked, whatever they pulled this information from, instead of the three models of iPhones that we've been hearing about pretty, you know, legitimately this, this summer, uh, there's now a fourth phone in this list that I guess hadn't been, discovered as of yet 
it, but it, there's there's kind of some some vagueness to it. Why are they thinking this is an SE2? So this is um, part of uh, Xcode, which is the d- development application the developers use to develop iPhone applications. And this is uh, the device traits part of Xcode. And so it has all the existing iPads and iPhones, um, even iPod touches that you can build your, your iOS app for. And all about that responsiveness, right? Yes. (laughs) And so thrown in there are these four models that weren't there before. Um, And one of those, so it it tells you, um, you know, what, uh, what capabilities the different models have. And three of them line up with the rumors we've been hearing, right? The, the two uh, iPhone 10 OLED type devices, uh, a six, is it 6.5 inch is the top one. And then the, mm-hmm. the, the 5.8, which is what the previous 10 was, but then also the 6.1 inch LCD phone. But now there's a fourth, a fourth thing in the mix. What are the traits of this fourth mysterious phone? So they're an A10 processor, like the wah, iPhone wah. 7 has. <laughs> this is, this is already off to a rough start for your SE2 of the future. And that's really, that's really just what really cements it right around the feet of so even if the it, iPhone SE2. Even if it somehow was a 10-style 4.7-inch phone, but that it, even if it did somehow do that, the fact that it has an A10 in it is just pretty much unacceptable, right? I, Even if it did have the, I, the iPhone 10 I qualities, so. which, by the way, according to these traits, it's not. I'm gonna, sure it doesn't. Not going to have those. It. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it appears. It appears that it's going to be so A10 processor, P3 gamut display, but no notch or Face ID, which, according to this report means it's an exist some type of an existing body and they're thinking it's that that 4.7 inch model which it makes more sense to me now because we've been hearing these rumors all summer and you know you know we've talked about this right like what are they doing with this 6.1 inch phone we had a lot of conversation about pricing and like where does it why are they putting it between the two 10 sizes it's going to look like the 10s but have a a lower quality screen um but where is the small phone right they can't just keep selling the se the original se because it's it's old at this point i mean like it's it's well it's old you can't keep selling it as is but if you refresh it in this way then and we'll get to this, but to me, it's as if you would refresh the Mac mini, but you refresh it with like two-year-old processors. Which and is, then, it's good that they're not four-year-old, four years old anymore, right? but not but all the not more. That helpful. It's just like, why didn't you release this a year ago? Yeah. So it sounds like it's going to be a 4.7 inch. So seven esque, well, even the eight. The eight was four point seven inches, right? Um, but the A ten well, processor, no. 
I, I don't think we have a screen size. Why don't Why do I keep thinking that they're talking? I keep thinking that, that maybe, I, I read somewhere that it was going to be did. four point seven, but maybe I don't did. think it's in this article that we're looking at here. I mean, because otherwise, so you're thinking just, it, otherwise it's just an iPhone seven, uh, right? If it's going to be a four point seven inch iPhone seven, that so work. you're thinking it will be that four inch phone, just a better screen, a better processor, but. <laughs> Not that much better. Not certainly not last year's processor, or won't be. You know, the A12 that comes out right in in, in less than a month. Uh, essentially, it's just slightly better processor and a better screen. That's not enough for you, is it, Philip? We I mean, talked it, a lot about this last <laughs> week, Philip. Where do you draw the line? It it certainly just feels like I I, I mean if I'm gonna use a four inch phone, I'll just keep using the SE that I have because it doesn't seem worth it. Although I don't know. I mean, Oh no. <laughs> if it, well, okay. The only, I re- knew you'd find a way to talk yourself into it. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to keep using a four inch phone, I can either keep using the SE that I have or I could buy if they come out with an SE2, which has iPhone 7 internals, I could buy that. Now, it's not that much of a jump. Right, because your current SE has 6S internals. Right. right. But A, I do really... One of the things that I hate that they skimped on on the original SE is the first-gen Touch ID. Mm. Because second-gen Touch ID, you just have to put your finger on there for any amount of time and, and it unlocks it. Yeah. I mean, second gen touch ID to me is twice, twice as good at least as, as first gen touch ID. I mean, first gen touch ID, you really have to really have to put your finger on there with intention and keep it there so that it can read it. And now it's unlocked. Um, so that, that would be a substantial improvement to, to usability, I think. And, the only reason that makes sense for them to go with only iPhone seven internals other than greed. Well, that price point is to keep the price point yeah. at I mean, three fifty, I believe is, is what it's at for, um, for 32. And then I think four fifty maybe is, is 128 right now. And so if it's just, so if, if I'm looking at just three fifty. Because I don't need anything more than thirty-two. I have sixty-four because I wanted more than sixteen. I bet it. I bet this would start with sixty-four, though. and this may start with sixty-four. Yeah. So if you're looking at three fifty, um, then uh, that becomes a lot more. A ten's a good chip, but I just here's the continued problem I have with this, Philip, is knowing what I know about you and how much you love tech. This phone is in no me- no means the the future, you know. Like you're, it's just hard for me to to see you get so stuck on that size that you're missing out on so many other things. Like you just talked about second gen Touch ID. Touch ID is not the future, <laughs> okay? Like it's just it's just not. All the other phones are, won't even have it anymore after this fall, and so I just. I really have a hard time reconciling your love of tech, but you being so 
in, I mean, just completely bought into this size that you can't like, you just want it, man. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think this is the phone for you, but I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you do you. I'm gonna let you make your decisions. Now, if this had an A11 in it, like if it had the, the bionic, I think it's a no brainer, right? Like it'd be great. Why aren't they doing that? I don't know. <laughs> it, well, I mean, you just said it's it's price, right? Like they want to they want to hit that low price, that that entry level price. Um, it, well, it, it's price and it's margin. It's price and it's profit because you could. I mean, you can still hit price. I just, which even more solidifies the fact that this is not a phone for you, Philip. It's not. This is not a phone for you. I, Other than the size, that's it. So I agree in part <laughs> that like I, I I wish that I wish that I would enjoy using a larger phone more because the larger phone is where the future is. The larger phone is where the better present is. So I wish that I enjoyed using that phone more, but it still just goes back to me that the, the specs do nothing for me. They do nothing for anyone. If you don't enjoy using it as much as, a as a lower spec, but differently yeah. spec phone to me, that just, it's, it's kind of, um, you talked about this last week. It got cut from the show, but you were talking about true. the Sam, the new Samsung phone that came out. Right. And you were talking about, um, like there was kind of a big jump between the the first uh, configuration and the second right. Configuration. So I think the Samsung with the S nine Note 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 nine. I'll, I'll get it. You give me enough time, I can spout out a, a Samsung name. You just you just keep running on iterations. Um, but the Note nine, uh, I believe they have a thousand dollar variant that has a hundred and. 28 gigabytes of of uh, drive space and four gigs of RAM. And then they had something like a 1200 or 1250 variant that had eight gigabytes of RAM and 256 of, of drive space or something, something along those lines. Um, and I mean, that's way higher. That's way higher than the 10 is going to have. And then, then the successor to the 10 is going to have, then the 10 plus is going to have. And Android phones for the longest time have had, way better specs, much more RAM and, uh, and faster, uh, they have faster processor for a short amount of time, but not for a while. They haven't, of course. Um, as soon as, as soon as Apple started making their own with the iPhone four, I should say that they've had faster processors since then. <laughs> that but processor way- team said, hold my beer. <laughs> way less RAM for the, for the longest time. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Android phones have had like twice as much RAM for for a large amount of time. Hasn't mattered, and yet, and yet it hasn't mattered, right? It's the the experience is still not as good because when you have that software hardware, uh, you know, symbiosis that that Apple can create, then they can just do so much more with even half as much RAM. And so, in the same way that it's just it, it wouldn't be as good to have a better spec Android phone. Than, than you know, lesser spec'd but better experience of a phone when you have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Then to me, it really like sometimes some specs 
enhance the experience. And so the experience and the specs go hand in hand. Um, I mean, I, I think that the four inch size is better than the three and a half inch size. I'm just making some really bold claims tonight. Um, I don't Isn't know how, it crazy how how those phones felt so much bigger because they were so much girthier, you know, back then. Like the the 3G is a perfect example, right? It had such a curve to it with that that plastic shell on the back. But I mean, the the phones now screen size are way way bigger, but they just feel so dainty in your yeah. Head. I have three. I have a couple of 3GSs. I think. Hanging around somewhere in the closet. I need to pull those out and we'll have to. That was your first iPhone, right? You that were was, telling me. That was uh, my first iPhone. In the pre-show. I had a 3G. That was my first iPhone. But you were telling me you got the 3GS the year the 4s came out. Yes. But this was partially more of a, like, your network situation than anything, I'm guessing, because you were... It was more of a cheapskate situation. Well, that, yeah, that too. I, I didn't want frugal... You said it, not me. Um, f- it was a frugal situation. And just, I never want to... I never want to pay for more than I need. And which, back here then... Here we are. Here we are with this SE2. Back then, AT&T was the only carrier. Um, and when you got into iPhone on AT&T, you had to buy a data plan. And I was, a, I was a student, and so I was on the university campus a whole lot of time. We had Wi-Fi there. I had Wi-Fi at my apartment. And so there weren't a whole lot of places that I really spent much time other than my car where I didn't have Wi-Fi. Um, and I, I, I got the original iPod Touch. Um, and so I, I knew you know where I had coverage and where I didn't because the, the iPod Touch obviously didn't have a cellular, um, any cellular coverage. So I did. Um, we we had to stay on older phones because we had to have phones that had jailbreaks and, and software unlocks, especially because a lot of times like new phones would come out and there would be a jailbreak pretty, um, you know, pretty soon after that. But then unlocks a lot of times would, would take a lot longer than the, than the simple jailbreak. It's amazing to me that <laughs> right? any, any of that was possible. <laughs> nuts. Um, so I software unlocked these three GSs and we got on T-Mobile. Cause T-Mobile, it was the wild, wild west, man. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, T-Mobile only required you to have either an unlimited, uh, texting plan, which, you know, that's bygone era as well. Yeah. Um, or you had to have either a limited texting or a data plan. Well, we were going to get unlimited texting anyways. So we just got unlimited texting, didn't get a data plan. And it was a lot cheaper too, because it was T-Mobile and not AT&T. So it was, it was quite nice. Well, listen, in three weeks, we're going to know exactly what this phone is. And so your decision will be a lot easier then. But knowing what you kind of know now, based on these uh, qualities, as you said earlier, of of this alleged phone, where's your head and where's your heart now? (laughs) I'm probably so... I mean, I really just... I really want to use a four-inch phone. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to use. And so I, I think I'll probably, I'll probably just keep the SE that I have unless there's a good trade-in deal to go from the SE to the SE2. And I mean, you could be looking at just like 200, hey, 200 bucks at that Yeah, point. I mean, you could just buy the phone outright, not even get into 
you know, little payment plan situation. So, oh yeah, it's an it's a nice way to go. I did before the seven came out. There was a moment in time where I was like, "Why not get the SE?" You know, like I, I was I was almost on this train with you, and then the seven came out, and AT and T had some promotion where they would basically you trade in a six, and they would they would pay those installment plans. So, I mean, you had to have, you had to be on their service for however long. And so I just went that route instead, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally, I'm I'm happy for people that enjoy the larger phone. And especially at this point. And I, I think I told you about this. This is obviously way before we had the podcast, but I told you that like, I was really excited about the 10 coming out because I really felt like the 10 was going to be an, a lot of the pros that I wanted and with still some of the, you know, still a lot of the cons of that size phone, but that it would, that, that larger screen and the, the, you know, the gesture interactions would kind of overshadow what I didn't like about that size of a phone. But I just, I mean, and at this point though, I've got the, I've got the eight and the, and the SE and so often like I'll start using the eight cause it just seems like the better phone to, to use to check something out, you know, and then I'll just put it down and pick up the SE just cause I like holding it so much more. It's just. When I pick up Brittany seven now, it's not as bad now that her home button is broken and I can't use it anyway, but when it was still working there for a little while and I, I had gotten the 10, it was like my brain was broken. I couldn't. It's like I just don't even know what to do anymore on it. And, and even the the gestures are like to get the um, control center. It's it's a different gesture. And so, at first, getting the ten, it's like you feel like your brain is broken trying to get used to the new stuff. But then, as soon as it clicks for you, anytime you pick up a, a phone with a home button, you just feel like your brain's broken all over again because it's funny how quickly you're, you get rewired to how to interact with it. And then going back to, you know, the, the home button method of interaction. I was just like, I don't, what do I do? <laughs> it feels really weird feeling that way, holding the phone that, you know, I know how to use, but I can't, I can't get it to click in. Yeah. Lost all that muscle memory. All right, so it's pretty much decided you're getting a SE two. I think so. We'll see in three weeks. I yeah, I really, I mean, at some point on a, on an infinite timeline, right? I I have to move to the ten at some point, the ten ten style. I mean, you kind of feel like this unless is unless the they come out. This is the last the, one with right? the ten style, but. Four inch body, you know, yeah. a 10 style SE. Maybe, maybe by then, because you're, you're thinking the rate they're going with the SE, that's probably like two years away, right? Well, so by then, maybe, uh, that first generation face ID is cheap enough to I mean, get, to get down to that. The tough part at that point to me is that. Uh, so the original SE 
came out six months after the iPhone success and had iPhone success internals. The, the really only hits it had were that it only has first gen touch ID with the iPhone. It 6S. even had the same camera, right? Had the same the camera though. Um, at the same camera, the success, which is a really good camera. Um, and first gen touch ID was really the only thing that I can remember that it really took a, took a step back from what the success had, had, had the success internals. I think it has one gigabyte less memory probably too. Um, doesn't really need, but it. I mean, to a certain extent you've got less, I mean, you've got less resolution to work with there. So, yeah. um, I don't know that it totally evens out, but, um, that's not hugely noticeable. So it really is very much, it very much came out as just a six month old phone. And so at, at this point, I mean, it's gone going from six months old and it's in its first generation to Two years. Two years. Yeah. If these leaks can be believed, and I think they can totally be believed, because that, like I say, they're more leaks than rumors. Because the A10 is two years old. Two years old. And so that, ah, oh, that just seems totally... And so at that point, it just seems like, well, if they come out with another one, it's probably in two years with this A12. Let me tell you, Philip. 12. It's because this is an entry level phone for entry level people. Right. It's not it's not for you. It's not. So, just, I just just size-wise. I mean, I guess you. I guess I very much land I I I'm very much landing in the way that for instance, someone who wants a really small laptop but wants to do professional work on it lands with Apple's current Setup, which is that, like, if you want the twelve-inch MacBook, they don't they don't make a thick twelve-inch MacBook that has a good processor and you know a substantial amount of RAM. You know, if you go small, then you also go weak. I mean, at the same yeah. time, you know. Um, and so there's there's just not a very there's not a lot of variation in in Apple's lineup. At and they, they kind of have had a little bit more at certain times in their history, but by and large, Apple doesn't have a lot of, a lot of variation in their lineup and, and never really does. You know, they have very, a, a very opinionated lineup in a lot of ways. And yeah, so that, that's not aligning with me. I think it has to be the A10 though, because there's no face ID and an A11 in a phone that doesn't have face ID. It's overkill, right? Like, I, I mean, mean what do you really gain? the iPhone 8. Uh, but no, but I mean, it is, but it isn't to me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, guess, I, I guess it I don't is. see how, I don't see how the processor has really anything to do with face ID necessarily. I, uh, I mean, maybe it doesn't, but it just seems like it probably needs a little bit more power to me. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, it'll certainly be interesting. Probably just more depressing than anything, but <laughs> just how they introduce, like if they even, like, you think the SE's, it's a press release. You think the SE's <laughs> going to be talked about on stage? I don't know. Just because they have so much other stuff. This, this fall, if it's to be believed, because we still have another, another thing to talk about that is being rumored. Um, new iPads, new Apple watch, new airpods most likely 
three new phones, potentially four, four, four new phones. phones with this SE2. New in quotation marks. And then on top of all that, I mean, it looks like we're going to have some new, some new Macs as well. Like there's just so much this yeah. fall. I don't know. I mean, I could see it going either way. Like it, it's something that they hit on really quickly at the end of the phone session, or it's just, if it, if it's that same form factor with just new internals, then I, I could see it maybe even coming out like an official release, you know, the week before. So it's just out there. It's over. They don't even have to, they can address oh. it on stage, but not have to really talk about it too much. Cause they did something like that last fall with something else. I can't remember what it was. Or recently they did that same kind of thing where they did like a sneak release. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the MacBook pro refresh. I can't remember it. Anyway, They've done that before, right? Where they just kind of, they tip that the week before and then because they just don't have time to talk about all of the things that they have to talk about. I don't know. I I could see it going either way. I I think it goes one of two ways. I think it either leads the phone uh, announcements or it's not mentioned at all. It's part of their story though, right? It's part of the story of having a phone at every at every point that someone might be interested in jumping into iPhone, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... So, so they're... And you they're, were out of place among those people. <laughs> I am, I am. But you're going to be happy. So that's, that's all that really matters. Uh, yeah. You're going to be, you're going to be happy when you hold it. Yes. You're not going to be happy knowing what's inside of it all the time. Like it might hurt a little to buy it, but as soon as it's in your hand, it's going to feel so good. I still though. And I think that iOS 12 has done nothing. If not help with this, I don't feel like my current SE lags to to a point where it bothers me, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I won't be bothered by some lag. I mean, if 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 it lags, I'm going to notice. Um, I mean, I always notice with, with any of my devices when there's any any hang up, um, and I, I really don't notice that with with the current SE, even. So, I mean, I I do feel like we were talking about this before we really started the show, but I mean, back when you had the three G, I had the three GS. And then we both had fours before getting fives. It was really, and part of this was because you paid for phones subsidized and with two-year contracts and this sort of thing. But at the same time, no one was really going, like some people would go a third year with a phone, but everyone knew if you went a third year with a phone, it was going to be slow. It was going to be rough. It's going to be rough, right? Um, So if you wanted to continue to have a phone that acted well and responded, you know, fast, you know, most of the time, then you, you had to update every two years. At this point, that's not not so much the case. Well, and like um, you said, especially with iOS 12 and the, the emphasis on performance, particularly for older right. units. So I wonder, I wonder if, if they may even do some uh 
I mean, I just don't know how much time they will spend on the SE, but if they were going to spend some time on the SE, they could certainly show some graphs comparing iOS 11 performance on the current SE to iOS 12 performance on the SE2 mm-hmm. with seven internals. And I'm sure there's going to be a huge bump there because you're getting hardware and software all at once um, helping helping the performance. So, I mean, they could, they could certainly make that make that case. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting because they're gonna move from from having a traditional style iPhone in that four point seven inch display slot that they've had since since the six. I mean, for four years, mm-hmm. that's been the you know best selling iPhone. I would say, I mean, you know, I think the iPhone 10 has become the best-selling iPhone, but they still sold a whole bunch of, whole bunch of eights, yeah, A pluses, and they're they're gonna have, I mean, I guess they're gonna they're probably gonna you know bump the eight down a notch, and uh, and it'll it'll just be cheaper, you know, so they'll still sell it, but it's not gonna be you know none of their new phones are gonna look like their previous phones and, and, and they're not going to work like their previous phones, I guess is, is even more so. Mm-hmm. And I wonder for, I just wonder how that will play with, you know, regular people, regular customers. It's going to push people <laughs> to, to the 6.1 or like I argued a few weeks ago, I really see it pushing more people to the 5.8 10 style phone. I really, why feel do you like- think it pushes them there? Because I think there's enough hesitancy of, man, 6.1, that just seems crazy, especially if I just, I, I'm used to my 4.7 inch phone, but, but these people probably don't want to go down to a four inch SE2. So just proximity wise, I feel like they'll think, oh, okay, 5.8, that doesn't sound as bad as 6.1. And you know, it's a, it's a little bit nicer phone. This Best Buy guy told me all, how, how much better it was. I mean, he told me like... 20 things that it does better <laughs> so it's only like four dollars more on my payment plan each month well, why not i mean that's how i that's kind of how i see it that's interesting i i think that at a very base level people will not understand why they should pay more to get something smaller uh, yeah, i don't know i think those best buy guys will tell them why <laughs> It's possible. People are easily swayed. I feel like. I don't know. Eh, I don't know. Not. I just think. And I don't think it's going to be that much more. I think it's going to be like $100 more. Uh, I, I think it's probably going to be $200 more. I think the iPhone 9, let's call it, a 6.1 inch phone is going to be six ninety nine, mm. And then the iPhone 10, I don't know. The iPhone 10 2 or whatever it's going to be called. Will be eight ninety nine. I don't know. We, I kind of feel like it's going to be seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine. I see. I don't. I don't think they would. I don't think they would come out with the six point one inch phone if it was only going to be a hundred dollars cheaper. To me, it wouldn't even be worth it for them to do that. If that's if that's if they can only take off a hundred dollars going LCD and you know, lot you know thicker bezels and everything there. The reason I, I think it's going to be seven ninety nine is because it's it's like it's replacing two phones, not just one. Hmm. You know, like it's replacing the four point seven 
and the okay the plus. I I forget what what the screen size is on that, but it's like that in between, right? I mean, it's kind of it's kind of replacing two different sizes in mm-hmm. one. Five point five is the okay. the plus screen size. It's so weird. This is gonna be such a weird year for iPhones. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about how it's not gonna be as exciting um, as like last year was, and I I disagree. Especially I, now that this SE two is rumored. this is true. I really I mean as as far as the story goes, going beyond the SE, to me it's gonna be really interesting how they how they talk about this this new yeah. 6.1 inch phone compared to I mean obviously they're going to talk about the new 6.1 inch phone the new 6.5 inch iPhone 10 plus yes but then I just wonder how they're going to talk about that iPhone 10 and its OLED display to me it's just it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting there's interesting acrobatics to be had to talk about the benefits of the OLED display without talking down about the LCD screen right. that you just announced yeah. <laughs> three minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and and just because to me, Apple would love it if they sell, obviously Apple would love it if they sold more iPhone 10 successors than iPhone 9s mm-hmm. because it's going to cost more. Yeah. They want to make more money. That uh, ASP, right? But I I really just feel like I really feel like that 6.1 inch phone is is going to look to be the best value there. If you don't really understand, I mean, if if you don't understand the difference between LCD and, and OLED, if you can't see it, then for the same reason that they still sell a whole bunch of MacBook Airs, I think they could still sell a whole bunch of iPhone 9s. And for the for the additionally same reason that there's an argument to be made that Apple should stop Selling, and we'll get we'll get to a little bit of this later. But if Apple just at this point just kept their lineup exactly the same and just stopped selling the MacBook Air, they might make more money. Yeah, because now your cheapest option is that MacBook Escape, basically for twelve ninety nine. Yeah, right. Or the twelve inch MacBook. And so, because I that's I would argue even more reason why I think it's going to be seven ninety nine. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. And you're being blasphemous because clearly the best value is the SE2. So don't don't be talking don't be talking bad about your future phone. Uh, the, the the best value, I think, especially if that if that's ten successor is at eight ninety nine. That's a great value. Well, that, that 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 to me, when you understand when you understand all the aspects, yeah. but when you don't understand all the aspects, then. Larger phone than the 899 phone for, I just can't see there only being a hundred dollars difference there. I don't know. We'll see. It's it's weird, right? We talked about this a few weeks back of Brittany needs a new phone, which is probably going to be the phone I have right now, but it's weird that I could potentially pay less this year for a, you know, a, a better phone, you know, the, the, the successor to right. what I got last year. That, it's yeah, just just weird, a year but. later. That, that is interesting. But it seems like that's what's going to happen. We'll see. All right, let's talk the other rumors this week to uh, similar devices, kind of like the SE that have been languishing a little bit without an update. One of them very, very much so. Um, the other, the other, the MacBook Air got an update 
last year, but it was just internals, right? I mean, it was, I roll my eyes at that. It, update. it was an update technically. Um, so MacBook Air, new rumors out that we're going to get a new version with thinner bezels, which if you've, if you've seen a MacBook Air recently after being used to, a you know, current generation MacBook Pro, bezels are big um so thinner have bezels a, have you seen an 11 and a half inch i haven't <laughs> that is bezel that's bezel town right there thinner bezels 13 inches and finally with a retina display and from these rumors it's a display that they're currently using on i would assume probably the escape is is what i would be guessing or it might be similar to the i don't know like it, it's I guess it could be similar to the 12 inch, but a little bit bigger. I don't know. They're using display that they already have in a current other laptop uh, to go in this one. And then the other side of it is the Mac mini, which hasn't been updated in what, four years now. Yes. Um, Sounds like there's going to be updates there with more of a focus on pro users is kind of a weird term to use, but people who have, very specific needs for these types of machines. So talking about like home media servers type type situation. So the, the focus would be on updating the Mac mini to be even better for that use case. <laughs> I, I, have a hard, I have a hard time feeling like to me, the, the time to focus on the Mac mini as a home media server has long passed. It was June. By. Yeah. Well, or are you was, just talking in was, general like was like six years ago. Oh, okay. Like back when back when they back when they came out with the original Apple TV. The original Apple TV, the white Apple TV. You're you're, you're saying like way back. The, the OG that was announced with the iPhone at uh at Macworld twenty oh six, two thousand six. Twenty oh six. No, two thousand <laughs> two thousand seven. I feel like I feel like it was in like November or something. No, it must have been January. They were always in January, but um, originally called the ITV, which they quickly figured out that there's a number of trademarks they were going to run into there, um, and so they so they went with Apple TV instead, which turns out to be actually a much better name. And but the original Apple TV synced over your network with your Mac so that you could watch things that you bought off iTunes on your TV with, without plugging your, your Mac into your TV. And to, to some degree, that's still how the Apple TV works. If you're wanting to watch things off of, if you're wanting to watch media stored on, you know, a storage device that's connected to your computer somehow. Yes. Yes. So there still is the, the computers app, I think it's called. Yes. On the Apple TV. Um, I know this can because be, I still use it very frequently. Can be used that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to me, like the Mac mini in, in that day and age made a whole lot of sense as a home media server. But especially at this point when, when you have, you know, apps like Plex that people can, people use a lot of times for their media server. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see a huge reason for people to update what they already have set up if it's 
yeah. it's working, then being a, a faster machine, if I'm just running media off of you, isn't a huge, huge advantage, especially at this point where so much media is coming, you know, through streaming. And in that case, you've already got an Apple TV that does streaming really well. And so right. that at $150 um, is, or 180 I guess it is now for the 4K, is just a way better deal and, and works better for that, mm-hmm. for that use case than... It- to set a set a Mac Mini up, as far, as far as a popular use case go, I'm, I'm not saying nobody's going to use it that way, but yeah. to me, they, to me, they were used a lot more for home media servers and made sense to be used a lot more for home media servers, you know, six, seven, eight years ago than right now. Now they certainly could have. I mean, I wonder if they'll be any more modular than they are right now. And really, if they, <laughs> I, I mean, the form factor, of course, would be really interesting to see because. The form factor of the Mac Mini really hasn't changed since the very beginning. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, it got a little bit thinner it once got they a little took thinner. the uh, the optical drive out. But in but large it, part, it was it was just it was thinner. But it was it was exactly the same. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dimensions. Dimensions. Volume. It does feel fishy, right? Like something doesn't really add up about this report to me. Like I feel like maybe the report is just kind of just doesn't have the whole story. Yeah. Because it just seems like, like you're saying, is this really a good enough reason to actually make an update to this? Do, like, do they really feel like they're going to sell, you know, more of these things for this use case? Well, so certainly when they update the Mac mini, um, they're going to change the ports one way or the other. Well, but see that... <laughs> For, for better or worse. That that introduces a whole other set of... Although, it's not like the MacBooks, right? They're going to have enough space to still have legacy ports on there, too. Just like they, they certainly do with, could. with the, the iMacs. And and all of their desktops that they have updated, that being the iMacs, yeah. have, have USB-C. They have Thunderbolt as part of that USB-C. But they also have USB-A. They have Ethernet. SD. They have... SD card slots. So I don't know. They certainly could want to make it so small that they start taking some things away that they've included on the iMac. Cause obviously there's a whole lot of space in the back of the iMac. Yeah. There's a whole lot of space inside the iMac. Um, Do you think they could get it down to the size of an Apple TV? They, I think they absolutely could if they, if they wanted to, I, I say that, it would have to be, it would certainly have to be at least as thick as the Apple TV 2 um, uh, generation. So before they, before they made the Apple TV thinner with the Apple TV 4, I guess, with, comes with, you know, that has the app store with it. Um, and I don't know, it, it depends on how, well, it really German's report leads you to believe that they're not going to try to go that small because if you go that small, then you're taking away a lot of the pro potential usage of it. Yeah. And really, I I think it'd be a much better product if they didn't take it that small because it's, it's, it's not big now, especially because it's not a portable computer. You know, I mean, there is, 
there's something to be said. I mean, it's certainly more portable than my 27 inch iMac. It's certainly more portable than your 27 inch iMac that you have moved. <laughs> I don't know, five times at this uh, point. Yes. Probably more than I should. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, you know, it's, it's not a laptop that you're moving every day, throwing in a bag and that, and that, that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's going to sit there is what it's going to do. And I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't imagine that anyone who's presently using a Mac mini is having trouble with its current size. I would love, I would love for them to maybe, maybe, you know, create some newness um, about its design, but still potentially leave it with very much of the same size that it has right now and just use all of that size for what it could be used for, mm. which is just power and um, and cooling and potentially even being quiet because it is it is a pretty noisy... Um, so my parents have a Mac Mini that they bought in 2010. Um and so I have just a little bit of experience with it, um, and it's definitely it's definitely noisy when when you get the fans spinning. Just like I mean, I guess the, the iMacs are even um, certainly than the laptops are. But I, I really feel like if they wanted to, they could they could use all that space for um, for a solid amount of cooling, but still giving it a whole lot of power. And and still giving a whole lot of ports on the back too, and I I think that could be great potentially even because um, then especially I mean they could actually do that still make it a little smaller because if they go all SSD then that takes out the hard drive which is a huge part and they took out the optical drive they've taken out the two biggest things in that machine right yeah. now are are the optical drive and the and the hard drive so. You could make it a whole lot thinner, probably, and still um, give it a whole lot more power, better cooling, and maybe even more RAM slots. I mean, so it could be great. Here's what doesn't make sense to me about all of this. To me, when I think of Mac Mini, I think of it's the cheapest way to get a Mac, right? I mean, if you go and buy one today, which you shouldn't, but if if you did... It's $500 and you've got a Mac, you know, the things that they seem to want to be doing based on these rumors, I don't think it's a $500 machine anymore. Well, see, it, I feel like it could be. Um, so it, at a low end configuration, it could still be really cheap, but if they, if they, you know, gave the, gave the build to order options and, and left enough room for them as far as cooling and power goes, then it could kind of span a wide gamut of, of of potential use cases where you could have, you know, it's lowest configuration, it's still cheap, but that you could go all the way up to potentially that six core processor they have in the 15 inch. Apple has proven recently that they're really good about leaving enough room for thermals. Right? Better, better than we thought the first time we talked about that. True. Um, well, yeah, I mean, with the 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 new MacBook Pro situation, but you know, there's still that Mac Pro elephant in the room, right? Okay, so Mac Mini, if they update it, great. I mean, it's been it, it's crazy how long it's been since it's been updated. So I'm 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 happy for it. 
I'm way more confused about this MacBook Air situation because it, it to me it's kind of the same thing as what you were saying with the Mac Mini. Like the perfect time to have done that would have been several years ago. Same thing to me with the MacBook Air. Like I just feel like at this point, especially with all the confusion around their lineup anyway, <laughs> with the MacBook the MacBook Pro Escape, MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. I just think the MacBook Air needs to go away. But it's their, I would say it's probably still their best-selling laptop, I would guess, just because it's so cheap and people love it. I just, why? Like, why at this point are we doing this? I think it just needs to go away. And they need to find a way to either take the MacBook and get that down to $9.99 or take the MacBook Escape and get that down to $9.99 and just eliminate the MacBook Air altogether. Yeah, I... Because then you have MacBook and you have MacBook Pro and we're good. (laughs) (laughs) That does seem all nice and neat, but still either expensive or less profitable is the only way they can go. If, if they either bring the MacBook down to $9.99, if they, if they want to have something at $9.99 or cheaper, then they got to bring one of those down in some way or another. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like as, as poor as the MacBook Air is right now, it's still better than a significant portion of the PC market. Well, and it's still better performance-wise than a MacBook is going to be. So, I mean, if you That's have if you have certain needs um, for, you know... If you don't care some, about the screen. Yeah. Well, That's, the, that, that's really the ultimate <laughs> thing about the MacBook Air. And, and uh, w- one of the questions that I just don't really have an answer to, and I haven't heard anybody it really has an answer to is how much more does a retina display cost? Mm. Because in all of, in all of, in all of the thought that you have about Apple, you just always have to know that like they, they just care about, they care about the bottom line. They care about profit. They care about margins in their products. So it's all well and good that they could bring the MacBook, escape down to $9.99. But if they don't believe they're going to sell that many more of them to make up for the reduction in price, like they're just not going to do it. Yeah. Because they just want to make, and they need to. I mean, their job is to make the most money possible. Um, So I really, I really feel like, I wonder if, like if they came out with a MacBook Air with a Retina display and that was darn near everything, maybe obviously it's going to have some USB-C ports because if they're updating it, say it has, say they come out with a MacBook Air and it's got a Retina display, it has the new butterfly keyboard. Which that, you know, that's a whole other bag of worms. Yes, it is. It's got USB-C ports, butterfly keyboard, retina display. And they put that at 
$9.99. But it's basically, here's my problem with that, though. It's basically a MacBook at that point. With more ports, but... I mean, what's the difference between that and a MacBook? I totally agree. I totally agree. And at the same time, if they take that and put it at $9.99 and they move the current 13-inch MacBook Air down to $7.99, I don't know that they still wouldn't sell the most oh, yeah, of the old sure. MacBook Air at $7.99. They should kill it. That's why it should just go I don't away. Know I, so I don't know. I don't know if that's a reason why they should kill it, though. Sometimes you just got to take old yeller back in the back and certainly do that what is, needs to be done. Certainly that's what Steve Jobs would have done. But in the Tim Cook age, they hold on to their old products for so long because they keep, they keep selling. And I really just wonder if this is the way that... Because there is a certain segment of the market that will never buy, even at $9.99, even at $1,000, they will look at an Apple laptop at $1,000. And even believing that Apple is better, they won't believe that Apple is $600 better when they could get a PC laptop for $400 or an Apple laptop for $1,000. But if Apple had something there at the $800 mark, I just really wonder how much more of how much that would expand their customer base. Yeah. And true or expand it, you know, in, in ways like we saw with the, you know, the new 10.7 inch iPad that back in the spring, mm-hmm. it, it expand it to even specific audiences like schools. And, um, yeah, that's, right. a, that's a good point. And I also just wonder if, because, um, we have to look back at this. So I'll just do some guessing. At this point, but it used to be that the lowest, certainly in the Intel age, and I think they were just all the more expensive before that, but in the Intel age, when they came out with that first Intel MacBook, the white MacBook and the, and the black book, um, the white MacBook cost, uh, $1,200, I think originally, uh, no, I'm sorry. It was 1100 for the longest time, they did not get down to nine ninety nine. Yeah, for whatever reason. I mean that that MacBook was was at at ten ninety nine, and they didn't get down to nine ninety nine until the MacBook until the the eleven and a half inch MacBook Air got them there at one point years and years later. And I I really I really think that as they've gone down in price and especially. If I if I'm if I'm an Apple executive and I see this old machine in some ways compared 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 to the new stuff we have this old machine that is selling so well at the price point that it's at right now I just don't know that I'm against selling a whole lot of those taking it a little bit cheaper yeah and just expanding our expanding our customer base really because not only that, but if you get people in on a 799 MacBook Air and they use that, because it's still compared to compared to $400 PC laptops, compared to $600 PC laptops, it's a great machine. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So you were convincing me, but now I'm thinking back because earlier I said, yeah, they could expand it even to like schools, but 
they're already in schools with a device that they want to sell to schools. And yes. It's the iPad. It's not the it's yeah. not the MacBook Air. And and then I thought, well, I'm I'm having this conversation in my head, you by go. the way. Um, I thought, well, what about college students? And I still think they the Apple probably still wants college students to go with like an iPad Pro or something like that. I think they'd rather sell uh, them that. I, I don't know. But that's not really, that's not so tenable, I don't think. I just don't know who this the, is they, really for. They talk that game in the Apple Store, but very quickly, I've seen this happen a few times in the Apple Store, that some a, a kid will come in with his parents, uh, you know, some 18-year-old about to go to college. And so they'll start talking with with the, the Apple um, employee and they'll kind of just talk them through their options. Like you could get an iPad pro, even this 12.9 inch model, right. With a smart keyboard, um, take his class, be great. Or you could get the laptop. And I feel like, especially there's only so many, uh, you just don't know if you're going to be able to make it through college with just an iPad. And, Especially when you enter college, you don't really know what you're going to do in college. Looking you know? back. Some I, people stick to it. Some people don't. Yeah. Looking back, I couldn't have made it with an iPad Pro because I was editing video. But Brittany could have done it. Brittany could have easily taken this 12.9 inch iPad. And and there's nothing she couldn't have done. But are are there any things that would have been complicated for her to do? Especially with regard to just like turning things in or or being able to move a document around. I think there are certain things that are a lot easier for people that well know how to use an iPad well. Yeah. And then I there's, mean, there's other things that, you know, you give it to just anybody and they wouldn't know that they wouldn't know that the iPad could do that. And even if they did know it could do that, they couldn't tell you how it could do that. With where school most schools are now with like Google Docs. I think she'd be fine now, but maybe so, but it, yeah, I mean, I could see like turning stuff in that might be difficult, but with files app now, that makes it a little bit easier. It's not, yeah. not like super easy, but I just think it can always get dicey and you know, you don't know like what your major may potentially change to. And if it does, you know, change well, when I make you a decision, buy a whole other, I stick with it. <laughs> now you got to buy a whole other machine because your major changed. And so Anyways, I think they're still selling a whole lot more laptops to students, but there's a, there's a, a huge segment of the population that can't afford even a thousand dollar laptop. You know, they, they have to stick with a, with a, with a cheap laptop, but maybe at that $800 level, they, but, and, but here's the deal. You get people in at the $800 level and then they use that for three or four years. Gateway drug. Gateway drug. So now they're going to buy, a, you know, a, a full-on, you know, MacBook Escape or 13-inch with Touch Bar for eighteen hundred dollars. I just think it's like those people buying those Camrys, man. We're going to get them in a Lexus someday. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I, I, I think there is a, I think there's a business case to be made for for pushing the MacBook Air for the the the, the now MacBook Air further down in price, um, just because. Lots of people, I mean, I myself use non-retina screens all day and I'd rather use, I'd rather use retina screens, but it's, it's totally doable. And when you don't, when you, when you don't use retina displays 
you know, that, that large, obviously you use the, the iPad, you use the iPhone, but when you don't use a desktop retina display, then not using one day after day, you, you don't know what you're missing out on as much. And if you've never even seen one, like most people, you know, most people haven't seen a, a laptop retina display. I mean, most people that you work with at Axiom have never seen a laptop retina display. I've never actually used one. They've and probably it, seen one from across the room, of course. And it makes me sad. And that, that's a completely real feeling that is totally legitimate to have. And yet when you can use feeling people's feelings against them, that's just marketing. <laughs> and that's just what companies are made for. So when you can use the fact that you don't know better and that at this point, I just wonder if the profits on a MacBook Air are better than anything else they have in the lineup darn near. Because if they don't update the MacBook Air and just keep selling it at $800, I just think a $799 13-inch laptop, I just think they could sell so many of those. And from a from a just like, it's not even like integrity. It's almost just sort of a, don't you want to be selling people great things? And that MacBook Air is is not so it's not a it's not great, but there's another argument to be made, lots of arguments here, that if you can get people into the MacBook Air away from PC laptops, you've done them an incredible service. True. Even if it is a 2015, barely, barely updated in 2017 MacBook Air, it's still better than the current PC laptops that are out there. So still you're still doing people a service you've won me back over so we'll just with that that last argument (laughs) quote of the night when you can use people's feelings against them that's just marketing you know (laughs) title i think you're in the wrong field of of work philip i think you should uh you should uh i think you would have been better off in that don draper era era you know like you you would have really sold some coke back in the day coca-cola that is Right. Um, wow. I don't we'll know. We'll see. Man. I mean, it'd be really interesting to see what they what they do. I mean, like 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 I told you last week, I mean it's just potentially better than Christmas. When I say it's better than Christmas, I feel like so I heard myself say that. Listen to the episode. I felt a little bit bad. Don't, don't walk it back. I'm man. not so all I want to say is that I I'm saying it's better than than the commercialized Christmas. That's all I want to say. <laughs> It's not better than celebration of the birth of the savior. Well, that's all, that's all I want to say. I mean, okay. I get, if you feel like you need to clarify, I, I think people that know you wouldn't misinterpret your people. Your don't meaning, people but. don't understand what, what I mean. We also talked about that. Um, got to lay that sarcasm on thick. If you mean it, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But I don't mean that sarcasm. This is better than, <laughs> this is better than commercialized Christmas. I'm ready for you. September. <laughs> Better than my birthday. I mean, birthday September eighth. I, I really just want it. September twelfth, probable date for this event. Our, our show. I'm three, looking forward. I'm looking forward to that day more. Three weeks from tonight, will will be. It's gonna be a long show. I'm gonna have to get here early. <laughs> yes, because I agree. Yeah, especially. I mean, it'll be interesting. To it's see gonna how be much, a full two hour keynote. Yes, it will absolutely be a full two hours, and I still think they'll probably have an October event because really. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at, if you're looking at iPads, iPhones, Watches. potentially, and not only just iPads, new iPads, like new iPads. iPhones, new watches, new in every sense of the word, new 
Max, potentially, in every sense of the word, multiple new Macs. And you still got to talk about, I mean, I'm sure they're going to talk about Apple TV for some reason or another. <laughs> yeah, because that, about that Dolby... Uh, retail stores for some reason or another. Dolby Atmos. Atmos, man. So um, they're, they're going to talk, they're going to re-talk about OS stuff, right? They're going to oh, yeah. re-go through iOS that 12, yeah. really briefly, maybe. Um, so I really think... I really think they've they've got two events on their hands for sure. It seems like to me. Plus, they've got some stuff that they just need to hold because they need to know if it's going to be ready or not. So, you know, announce stuff that you know is going to be there in September, and think think twice, Apple, about announcing stuff ahead of time when you really are not sure about that. Yeah, because I mean, I'm sure we're going to get air power too. Oh yeah, yeah, they're going to have to talk a lot about that. Really. <laughs> They really want to talk about that a whole lot. All right. Closing out. Got one question for you here. Um, and it's completely unrelated, but just a little, little check in with uh, Philip. Sharp Objects finale Sunday. Where, where you at, man? The finale is Sunday? Yeah. Got some serious catching up oh, to gosh. do. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I made, I think, what ended up being perhaps a mistake did you like read into the book or something no i didn't do that Plot summary i didn't do that um i so blair and i watched the first episode together and then blair went out of town while the kids were out of town and i just really wanted to watch something that i really wanted to watch and i wasn't really finding anything i was just like i really want to watch sharp objects but i mean i should probably wait until blair gets back so we watched the first episode together. We're watching this together. I rewatched the first episode. And then I just watched the second episode. <laughs> and I watched the third episode. There's just three episodes out at that point. Yeah. But so I've watched, I've watched episodes two and three. And Blair hasn't. Blair's not going to watch a show without me. It's not one that she's going to watch no, by herself. Yeah. Just the type of show it is and the type of person she is. That's not how she wants to watch it. And so we really I could see her being super fascinated by this show, given her definitely her line of work. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but but I I we we've gotta watch she's gotta watch episodes two and three, and I, I need to watch it with her. Um so we'll we'll get into it. All right. We need to yeah. make that happen. You're gonna have to especially if this finale is coming. You're gonna have to jump on it, man, because yeah. It's, I mean, if 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 Rectifs is gonna talk about it in what two weeks then i should get there i should get there by two weeks well that's good i'll finally have a episode of rectifs that uh, i'll need to listen to at least part of it they talked about i've still been brutal man i've just been merciless with my listening although i haven't i haven't looked at this week's rec rectifs yet so. they talked about a quiet place in the oh okay the i'll listen to that then. Slot. yeah I'll, I'll, i wish they had time stamps or chapters that would yeah be, that would be nice because it's, it's impossible they, though for them to do time stamps and chapters because they it's <laughs> just the nature of the show. Is, this is true. They they might have a timestamp for the spoiler slot. I think that's the one thing. Oh, okay, that a lot of me. times they do have a timestamp for, um, which is which is nice. Well, catch up on sharp objects, man, because we gotta. I'm sure we'll need to talk about it at some point. Although, although, I don't, well, I'll just I'll I'll save it for the mic. 